Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg-Shaped. And that's right, he's excited again. He thinks every one of them special. This one is special. It's been a chase, but finally, finally I've tracked her down and I am so happy. One of the characters, one of the stalwarts, one of the experienced players, but I still think of her as a young up-and-coming rugby player because she has that energy and enthusiasm that just fills a room, runs a line out, smashes rucks, and drinks a lot of coffee and goes for a lot of lunches. One of Scotland's finest. Struggling at the moment, but she will be back. Let's bring in the one and the only, Emma Wassell. Hello. <laughs> That was a pretty good intro, that was. It's not my first rodeo. (laughs) You make it very easy. You are like the one of the darlings of Scottish rugby. You are all over the place. You're in high demand. How does it feel to finally be a rugby player? As your job. You've always been a rugby player, but as your job, sorry. Yeah, I've been I've been involved with Scotland women for ten years now, so it never never ten really, years. Yeah, I know. Scary. I was eighteen when I started, and you can do the maths. No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. That is crazy. But you, I mean, podcasts, photographs, uh, you know, speaking gigs. TV gigs, uh, doing a bit of punditry. Does it feel a bit out of body or is it just take it in your stride? Oh, it does when you reflect, I suppose, back um, to kind of how much it's changed. But I'm just going with it. I'm evolving with it and I'm loving it. It's um, 
yeah as you say it's just it is insane when people say what do you do and you're like uh a rugby player um and yeah I'm just kind of trying to seize every opportunity I have with it obviously currently injured so being injured you can you can get pretty down about that so it's actually just trying to make the most of of the opportunities you have when you are injured and that's not on the pitch um so yeah no it's pretty cool it was cool when you popped up on TV as the pundit because that has to be the future for you. Because although you are a very good player, you've got a rugby brain. You love a line-out. Geez, you can bore the socks off anybody about a line-out. <laughs> How does it feel watching? Because you, you had such a consistent spell of playing that you mustn't have had time to watch anything other than analysis. Now you're having to watch almost as a supporter. I know you're still feeding stuff in. I know you've still got a leadership role there, but what are you a good spectator? Oh, I suppose it's actually very different watching it on the TV to watching it <clears throat> in the stands. Um, of course, I am a sofa critic. You, everyone is. Um, and you can say what they should be doing or what you want them to do or what wasn't good enough or whatever. But I am also hugely understanding of, of being in that position as well. Um, but I do, I honestly believe because I've never, I've never properly been able to take a step back and, and watch Scotland women like this before. And I, I think I can probably learn a lot from it and hopefully come back a, a better player for it as well. When you're playing, I think this group especially, and it's changing because that's just how it goes, understand how important you are to the rugby landscape. I know you talk a lot about inspiring the future. Do you get a greater sense of that sitting in the stand with 3,000 people watching than you do on the pitch, do you think? Yeah, I think I have been able to, as I say, just take a step back and, and see it all in front of me. Um, and that is, yeah, seeing the kids that are just dying to speak to players after the game. And like, even me in crutches, not in rugby kit, and even kids seeing, noticing me in that sense is crazy as well. But not even that, adults, people behind the scenes, people really care and are really invested in the game. And I don't think sometimes when you're on the pitch, you, you'll see that or really understand that quite as much as I maybe have from having this this wee break. Yeah. Last year, when you played England at Dam Health, I was sitting next to Debs McCormack, just as a just as a freak, just where we'd bought her tickets. It was hilarious. She like when there was a line out, she was up like almost <laughs> jumping, and there's and you could see her sort of moving with the game. And I was a bit like that when I stood on the sideline as a coach. But it was hilarious watching her. And I said to her, "You should still be out there." And she went, "No chance, no way." <laughs> it seemed like she knew maybe her. Her time was done, but she still had that love and that feeling for it. Are you sitting in the crowd calling the line outs before they're called and telling everybody what's going to happen and hitting rucks, or are you able to relax? Oh, I think when naturally when it comes to line out time, that is 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 something I I kind of pride myself in the knowledge I've I've learned and. And that's obviously attacking and defence. Um, so I do, I do get a wee bit, wee bit excited about it, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's maybe not the right call, or ultimately, really good call that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do, I do know for a fact by watching the 
kind of desire I have to play and to play at a high level is is stronger than ever um and I and I think that is something you can take from injury you can go one way or another and I just I'm so so driven to get back on that pitch because looks like a lot of fun it does look like a lot of fun when I saw that video of you on Instagram pulling it was like yeah there's a bit extra in there she wants <laughs> she she wants back really quickly watching the Six Nations frustrating start like no other real you know we can't sugarcoat it it was a really frustrating start the Welsh game especially just got yeah. away that's tough to watch when you're not able to make an impact but when you look at the team Hannah Smith retired, Megan Gaffney retired, players away with GB7s, yourself, Sarah Bonner, Jade only just coming back into things. Realistically, it was it was still decent, but you want to win. And the players took that one pretty sore. To then come back and perform like that against Italy, I mean, I saw the look on your face after the game. It was like you were just ecstatic, as everybody was. Was there a huge sense of relief or was there a, yeah, we knew we could do that? A bit of both, I think. Um, I think ultimately coming into the Six Nations, our target games were Wales, Italy and Ireland. Um, I'm not saying that we can't challenge England and France, but I think everyone in the rugby world is aware of, of, of kind of the difference there is between the four other nations, England and France. Um, so I think it was important for us to kind of go into them two games um, with maybe a slightly different mindset, but to still challenge ourselves. And I really do believe in areas of, of the England game, we achieved that. And also first half, maybe of the France game, other parts of the game, we probably did let ourselves down a little bit and, and let us go in ourselves a wee bit. Um, the Wales game was is hugely disappointing, um, especially with our history with Wales. Um, that was that was a tough one to take, and I think, I think we had a, a lot to prove coming into the Italy game. Um, I don't think the belief kind of ever faltered in the sense I do. I do think every player knew they could win that game, and I was speaking to Rach Malcolm after the game and she was like honestly even when there was obviously that period in play where Italy came back with two consecutive tries just like it didn't it didn't feel like a panic it, it did feel like we had it under control and, and we were gonna gonna win that and it's, it's sometimes rare that you get that feeling um so yeah no I was it delighted uh for them and yeah th there is a sense of relief and there's it's we're not gonna kind of beat around the bush there we had 12 consecutive losses in a row and, and mentally as a player that's hard that's really hard and given and I know how hard them, them, them players are training and um, and how much they want it and how much it means to them so yeah there was a bit of relief but also a, a huge amount of belief yeah it's it's an interesting Rachel Malcolm I mean she's superwoman isn't she she's such she's a great leader she's inspiring it I mean, my, my wife knows a lot about rugby. She never really played, but she's a big fan of Rachel Malcolm. And and I love that, that she's reaching parts that maybe female rugby players didn't reach previously. And mm -hmm. she's a she's a great role model. And I know you guys have a huge amount of respect for her. Yeah, absolutely. She is. And she, I think this statistic is that she played five games for Scotland before she became captain, um, which most people might seem 
like I, I there's maybe this assumption that uh, you have to have played for Scotland X amount of years to become captain and it's and I'm not I'm not also saying that captain comes naturally as such but she from her other walks of life um yeah. academically and in, in sport um she was previously a hockey player she had a huge yeah she her character everything about her she screams leader uh and god she's a she's a bloody good one I must say um yeah she's incredible and especially she's takes a lot on her shoulders personally um and again it's it's not been easy but don't we have also had some pretty good highs um she yeah she's an incredible captain she took Wales tough didn't she we both saw her it's pretty soon after and she was she was taking her time to get over that one I think yeah no that as I say that one that one was that was a, a raw one I must I must admit well, let, let's talk about some of those highs. Some of your buddies, and you're saying you've been involved with Scotland for 10 years, and there's a lot of you who have been through all that time together. To take out you and Sarah Bonner from the second row is tough, um, but Louise McMillan, in she goes, uh, having played mostly back row. Jade heads up. I don't know if she drew the short straw or how that went, but she ended right, up in there. Why did there be a short straw going in at second row? I, I want to change the narrative here. But when you've got the depth of the back row, I I mean, Evie, bonkers. I mean, that she's just unreal. And then you add the Rachels and putting Jade and Louise, that that back five of the scrum is high work rate, high energy, I mean, brutal. Um, But great for the future to, you know, I'm not sure we're going to see the benefits of this until everybody else comes back too and the competition mm-hmm. is going to be tough it is actually really exciting and I think yeah it's we don't have a huge and huge amount of depths in Scotland compared to your England anyway um so it's actually really exciting to see well yeah that back middle row uh as Brian calls it middle row um was Brian's so- like me he's old like middle row who calls it that um and now it's sticking in my brain um yeah so strong and as you say jade is absolute class at eight but so is evie and i think having jade on the pitch is is really important as well so no um it's exciting it's it's gonna be hard to get back in there but it it does it's good the competition for us individually is is good and what about your prodigy? Eva comes on for uh, you know ten minutes and just smashes it. How good was she? She is. She has been involved again a few years now, and um, just even with the training and stuff. And she's come on so much. Um, yeah, I do. She is. She's a wee mini me. I think. Um, she is she your project? Is she? Have you got her under the wig? Look, she appreciates a line out like everyone should, but they don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of the personal highs, uh, you know, Rona better than me. I've known her for a long time to score that try in Hong Kong and already be emotional before she crosses the line and pick up a bronze medal. Amazing. Shona with them. Tomo has had a ridiculous few weeks. Hall of Fame at Melrose, yeah. bronze in Hong Kong, then gets her 50th cap and and wins at home helen nelson picking up her 50th cap debutants and this there's so many stories to tell about this squad 
Yeah, I think it's so exciting to see. I got my 50th cap. 2021 um and at the time I was yeah fortunate enough that I, that was the first 50 cap they'd had in in quite a while because of where Scotland when we were at and people who were kind of in and out and so it was the first one in in a while and then it felt so it was yeah well the game itself was a huge occasion but I, I just didn't I don't think people knew really like what you do on a 50 cap like and it's just so exciting to see how many are now getting their fifth aid caps, which just kind of shows the, the strength in the squad and, and how long we've stuck together. And I think that is so important and probably a, a huge reason for our success. And coming through COVID. Yeah. Because you were you were able to train as elite athletes, weren't you? So you were yeah. you were able to and you're such a sociable bunch you're all best buddies follow any of you on instagram and you're all sharing the same coffee picture <laughs> and lunch picture and i mean geez you're good for the economy you lot uh but that's so important isn't it no it is we're oh the the kind of connection we have as a squad and and obviously don't get me wrong we have you have your your best friends throughout the squad but as a whole the squad is super, super close. And, and I think that's so important. I think that's why the wins and the losses sometimes feel maybe more emotional or are so, so important because it is, it's obviously so much bigger than, than just maybe a game. But yeah, uh, I also have some very, very close friends uh, in there, which again, I, you can't imagine who I was without them, but before, before Scotland rugby so no I'm hugely proud of all of them and what they've achieved as well. It's time you lot started doing some kind of coffee shop review and have a like or I don't know like a sponsor or something I think oh well there you go there you go yeah well they let's make some calls it's it's got to happen um so finally on the Six Nations ambition obviously has to be to beat Ireland finish as high as possible yep so I think you know what you can't sometimes come into Six Nations and actually where you place there's not unless you're coming first you know what I mean there's not maybe it doesn't mean anything as such in terms of maybe just world rankings however where we place in the Six Nations does determine where we will play um in the World XV tournament in October so I actually think that gives it a wee bit more edge because ultimately if you come third, you are in the Six Nations, you're in the, the top tier. One, two and three are in the top tier. Um, fourth will go in the second tier of the World XV and it's a wee bit more complicated with fifth and sixth. We are, we are hoping, obviously we'd like that third spot, but it's a tough ask given Wales's point difference currently um however if we can aim for that fourth spot which would mean beating Ireland um I think that would be a real good success for us I think it's good that there's a bit of jeopardy on the positions because otherwise it can become a bit of a it still means something but giving it a little bit extra I think is a good thing it's it's going to make it it's going to make it a great Saturday so excited for the games when you look at England talking about so many ticket sales. 
are you able to applaud that and just celebrate it or is there a little bit of green-eyed monster too no uh, like genuinely how it is incredible and again we have already spoke about where England and France are on their journey and they are slightly ahead of where we are at and you can only look at that and, and hope that one day that you are in that position because it's incredible it is really incredible and we've we've always said playing at Dan Health we absolutely love because we'd much rather have a, a full stadium or a, what feels like a full stadium than sitting in, in an empty Murrayfield ultimately because you don't want to be in a big big stadium with with a couple of thousand um, and that's why we love Dan Health Stadium so much playing there at home but if one day you were to tell me that that we were going to play in with 40 50,000 pounds like that is that is what dreams are made of but yeah you can you can just hope that, that we'll get there uh, in yeah. a few years yeah I hope so um world cup I mean just so good as a kid I got up in the middle of the night to watch the British Lions play in New Zealand before kickoff times were adjusted to mean everybody could watch it People were getting up in the middle of the night to watch your games. I, I don't know if you you said about looking back. I don't know if any of you at the moment can fully appreciate how far that has come to have that back here. But it must have been an unreal experience. It was. It was. I can't. Oh, like it is so surreal to even think we how much we spoke about it before before qualifying before before it got postponed all the rest of it it was it was we want to go we were desperate to go to a World Cup and I was part of obviously the the previous year where we we didn't qualify um but a World Cup in New Zealand hits just that little bit different um and we just kind of there was probably points in time we spoke of it as if it was a dream and maybe not possible. And then there was times where we were like, no, we can do this. And with COVID, the circumstances around qualifications changed various times. And it just all became like, it was like it was very difficult and that we were maybe not going to get the opportunity. But yeah, obviously qualifying and actually getting out there, oh, like it, it was a dream. And don't get me wrong, we were like bitterly disappointed on on kind of our results. And obviously Wales and Australia, they were just so close and it could have been so different. Um but you know what, like that's the that's us back on the world stage. It's been it's been I think 12 years since we were last at World Cup. So yeah, it was it was important to us. It was an immense experience um as a squad and and kind of see new zealand the culture everything about it um but i do there's obviously just a small bit of disappointment on on some of the results i get that and and that's obvious but as a journey from where you've come from yeah. to get there to be so close that must just provide greater motivation for the next one and some won't be there that were in New Zealand, as we've already said. Hannah and, and Megan have have retired from international rugby, and there might be more between now and yeah. then. And some of these young bucks coming in, um, taking taking spaces. But is that something that's been discussed yet, or is it just dealing with the job that's right in front? No, I think I think that is really important. That 
actually what we're doing now will impact qualification for the World Cup. And, and that's what I mean. It's, everything is quite connected now in the sense of World and um, Six Nations determines your World XV and your World XV is ultimately going to determine your World Cup qualification. And yeah, it's been discussed and something I've thought about because actually what we went through and we qualified for the World Cup in January, which we were playing in October. And that's not it's not ideal really you you want to have at least a full year knowing that you're preparing for world cup whereas yeah it, that same year we found out we were going um so we, didn't, we have spoke about it and how important these games are now um but ultimately it doesn't it doesn't mean that if we lose one we just forget it give up because there, there's obviously going to be opportunities but it's is really important and obviously the next world cup is in england um obviously not it's not it's not new zealand but i think from a sense of friends and family and actually yeah. home support that could be really really special yeah i agree one of my favorite memories of my own rugby life was edinburgh were playing when you were playing in Dubai and there was just a little moment in the game that went quiet and I'd got the result and I had the press guys in front of me saying, has MD heard, has MD heard? And I had the score and there was a little lull, but I read the Irish score first and then I left a massive pause and the whole place just went quiet and I announced the Scotland score and six and a half thousand people just went nuts knowing that it and Rory Lawson wrote about it the following week saying he did a congratulations to the squad and then said about the announcement of the damn health and how far the game had come again here's in the back of my neck stand up because honestly it was awesome it was so good because none of us could be there because it was still weird world yeah and it was just cool I mean do you realise the ripple effect of that? No, I remember hearing about that. And again, that's the kind of things that a lot of players won't see and and won't actually realise. There's so many people that that really do want us to succeed. And, and yeah, that's really a, a, a big driver for us as well. Yeah, it was so cool. When you're playing, the, the club game up here at the moment isn't, as competitive as it needs to be to provide the, the sort of platform for international players. So a lot of players have gone south. Obviously, France has been a, an option as well. Do you chat about, oh, we need a second row here or, or, you know, what have you thought about this? Or here they need something. How does it how does it work with recruitment to go down south? Um, I think personally my own journey to to Loughborough Lightning is probably was just because everybody else was there (laughs) (laughs) maybe the coffee Uh, coffee shops are great ultimately I think at the time they they needed a second role I wasn't committed to an English club there was already some Scottish players there and I'd already previously spoken to Reese Edwards um our head coach he had tried before and I was I was still working full-time in Aberdeen um so that's kind of how it happened with me. But I think there'll be a mix um, in the sense of people will recruit for positions. Um, and then there's also, yeah, recruit from from a leadership sense, if, if that's maybe kind of what is lacking. But I suppose it, it, it's, it's different now um, in the sense players, 
before I, like well I and I'm currently in this position but I, I play at Loughborough Lightning and because I I love it I love all the players there um the coaching setup and the facilities are are really good um so I think that ultimately decided why I I wanted to play there but we are we're in a professional almost professional there's there's obviously money at stake there's it's changing um and yeah it's very competitive we didn't have the best season as Loughborough Lightning um this season missing some key players um and yeah I don't think I suppose you can move club because you want results or, or you can kind of stay with the club because actually it's everything that you want from your rugby journey I suppose it's it's a great thing and and the, the games are, are great you played a lot of your rugby while still studying and working and then trying to be an elite at or being an elite athlete on top of that how different is it now what or what is the difference <laughs> This is probably the biggest one for me in terms of reflection that I, how much has changed. Um, I went, I was at Heriot Watt University, that's when I got involved um, with senior rugby, got involved with under 20s and then got invited along to Scotland Women. So I was still living in Edinburgh and still at university, um, playing at Murrayfield Wanderers and yeah, never going to any of my lectures and always just training. That was, that was the easy life. Um, but then, but then once I graduated, I moved back home. Um, I got offered a job, um, a good job to become an auditor, um, in Aberdeen. Aberdeen, for any who know, is not it's not it's not a rugby city really. Um, I would say kind of football is the dominant sport there. Uh, so yeah, I spent four almost five years in Aberdeen working full-time I took every last hour of my annual leave including um some unpaid leave to be able to play in the Six Nations to go to tournaments um I would sometimes go down to Edinburgh to train just for the weekends during the week I would train in Aberdeen so with a, sometimes Aberdeen Sports Village um and yeah there would maybe be one or two of us, um, sometimes the academy boys as well. Um, I tried going to Aberdeenshire boys training um, just because I, I was just so driven to get better. But as you say, not, not in a disrespectful way or anything, but the level of what club rugby is, women's club rugby was in Scotland and in Aberdeen at that point in time was probably not where I was at just how much I was kind of wanting to push to to stay within that Scotland squad so yeah I tried to train with the boys and there's obviously only so much you can do um so yeah there was a lot of a lot of training by myself a lot of not really training with a team just trying to stay fit stay strong and and hold on to the times that we had camp um but yeah you, I was working full-time so that was that was eight till five, if not later, and then training in the evenings normally. 
Um, so yeah, it's hard on on any life outside of outside of work and rugby to maintain a social life is sometimes quite difficult. When you look back now, do you think how the hell did I do it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think now you've. I think now we've got a taste of the good life, I suppose. Um, yeah, the, the balancing act, and but I think I ultimately knew as well that. I wasn't given why it got so difficult is because work was probably getting 50% and I was trying to do my CA exams as well, um, which was horrific. Um, so then if, if everyone was getting a bit 50%, 20%, 60%, like just in different ways. And and I felt like I was just never being able to fully commit to something and just give it my absolute hundred percent. And saying that obviously when I played for Scotland, I will give nothing other than a hundred percent, but actually giving hundred percent on the day doesn't mean that you've given it hundred percent in the weeks leading up to it and all the rest of it. So that is probably the biggest difference with going professional is, is the time that you can take to, to prepare if that's analysis if that's recovery if that's all your snc is so different and also from a mental aspect i can't explain how stressed i was and and i'm pretty good at covering that sort of thing and i don't think that's very healthy either um so yeah it was a whirlwind and you do reflect on i think why did i do that but we're here now and and i'm very grateful for it it was literally costing you doing what you were doing. You know, you said you'd had to take unpaid leave. You still got to pay your bills. You still got to save your pennies for a rainy day. Um, but you mentioned it there about social life. You were, you're almost where men's rugby was 30 years ago before it went pro, where players were trying to be professional athletes while still doing something else. Yeah. Are there discussions among the group about that you know here's where we've come from remember what it was like if somebody's moaning about that you <laughs> you know you, you must give some of the young pups some stick if they're complaining about stuff there's there's a few a few times that we're like they have no idea how <laughs> lucky they have it <laughs> granny wassell thompson and lloyd in the corner <laughs> yeah that's legit but i think <laughs> you, you have to it, like one not try sound too too old but also that's that's not that's not their fault that where the game's gone and and I'm actually as much as at the time I would have maybe not said that but I'm I'm grateful for the experience I went through in terms of the appreciation I now have for what we're doing and how how lucky we are and also just yeah, from a, a character building point of view, I think I've kind of put myself through some pretty tough times. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. To play for Scotland, and I think it, it really does mean that much to me. But now, and it's it's been worth it. It really has been worth it. Um, but there, there will always be the odd comment to the young ones saying they'll just never, will never know what we went through. Right, but but you are also a young one compared to some of those. That, you know, Donna Kennedy is a proper legend, and now yeah. she, she's probably being recognised more now than mm-hmm. she was. Well, no doubt because when she played, they couldn't fill the stand at last weight. You know, the, Donna, <laughs> but she's now on TV. She's given her views. She's very vocal in where she wants the game to go. She's got ambition to really impact that. How much of a relationship have you got with previous generations? So pre-World Cup, um, we kind of, well, it's the Scotland Thistles is is kind of what they... What Some of my favourite humans. They're insane. Bonkers, uh, no, properly mad, <laughs> properly mad. We're really well behaved, I yeah. would say. Um yeah, so we got an inter- kind of introduction to them pre World Cup. Um, Hang on, let me just... butt in there. Let me butt in there. So you got an introduction. Now you know some of them. Yes. But there must have been people in the room that you didn't have the foggiest who they were. Heard of the name, but could never have put a face to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that and is, there's a there's it's... a bit that's a bit sad there, isn't it? But yeah, I think they are so proud of what your group. That that sort of ten year block almost that you've been, they are so proud of you lot. No, like they are proper champions for you. They and actually, kind of when we fully learn maybe what they've done and and the people they are and what they went through, that gives us and that puts almost my situation to shame as well. Do you know what I mean? The game has evolved, but actually, we wouldn't be where we are without them and what they've done. But the game has changed as well hugely. Um, but it's it's been really nice to build a relationship with them, and they are they are hugely proud and supportive of us. Um, they, they, they just they just love it. <laughs> they they just want every opportunity to get together and get you lot involved because they they can see so much. Are you aware of uh, Sandra Cola Martino writing a play? about um, the first yeah World i've Cup. heard of this i heard this was coming um is that for the fringe 
Well, th there's hopes for lots of things. Still oh, very, yeah. but starting to write the play. Great lady. I mean, awesome and just loves her rugby. But those, so I know how much you love Jim Hamilton, right? Everybody knows how much you love Jim Hamilton. Growing up, I'm guessing none of your heroes were those women that you've now met. No, and it is something I've been asked on podcasts or anything. It's like, who inspired you to, to pick up a rugby ball? Who was your idol? And it's it feels a little bit embarrassing, a wee bit of sad that, if I'm being brutally honest, I, I can't say a female rugby player because... When I got involved with the game, it wasn't because I had seen them on the TV and thought, I want to do that. I want to, I want to play rugby. It was it was because it got offered to me and it sounded like a lot of fun. Um and you love but, smashing rocks. <laughs> um but, <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't kind of I think that's why it's upsetting the fact that it's actually more now that we have a greater appreciation of, of what they did rather than how I got involved in the game. Um, but I think, yeah, with social media and games being on the TV and just the general kind of media around women's rugby now, it is, it's very, very different. And hopefully, actually, the girls that are going to be involved in 10 years' time can say that they they seen us play and, and we were the reason. No they wanted question. <laughs> No, because now you've even got a female ball team at your internationals. You know that the, the term ball boy is gone. Yeah. Because you've got, you know, the bottom of your banshees uh, with Gillian running that show. And they, you know, I know how much they look up yeah. to you guys. It's so cool. And it, and it is changing. That is definitely going to happen. Do you have anybody in the game now that you look at and go, wow. So did you go to the World Cup and think I'm playing against that person? Do you have any sort of heroes now? I think, you know what, is not hard, but I've obviously now been involved in the game so long and I was involved when I was young. Like, I, I played England when I was 19 and I was playing against Maggie Alfonsi. That's kind of, do you know what I mean? Like, I have actually played against some of the most, like, yeah, your your household names now almost, um, rugby players. And... I think because I've been involved so long and had such an awareness of these players that you you kind of want to hold yourself to that to that level as well. Um, I obviously we played New Zealand. That was the first time we've ever played New Zealand, and them just as a whole, um, a very very impressive rugby team. Um, yeah, I would say I I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of say anyone individually but I do I I enjoyed that challenge and don't get me wrong I how that result went second half very different to the first half but it is not where I think we were at and um, I do think it was a good challenge for us though and and it definitely just made us want to kind of push on from where we're at is it something you think will happen that you'll play those teams more often? Can you imagine a Scotland team going on a tour to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji? So I think that that is what the World XV shall do. Um, that'll give us more opportunity um, around 
playing teams all over the world. So obviously it just depends, obviously your top tier, most likely to be New Zealand, um, Canada, um, Australia maybe. Maybe. Um, America. Yeah, you, we yell. And then, and then obviously you've got your second tier where that could be, again, I don't want to place anyone in it, but you should get the opportunity to play the likes more likely of Australia or USA, Japan, um, South Africa, hopefully even Fiji. They obviously made made their debut at the World Cup. Um, so that is what that tournament's promoting. When you were at the World Cup, there was a little bit of socialising with opposition because I think you ended up in the same hotel rather than... And yeah. it was still that kind of not knowing what the world was when you were in New Zealand. I think we were talking about this, about this sort of going into the changing room after the game and and those kind of things. Is is there a good camaraderie between the teams, between opposition players? Yeah, I think with Six Nations, obviously all the, the teams in the Six Nations, generally we play with a lot of them in club. So that side of things makes it... I think a lot easier to break down barriers in terms of having a relationship once the whistle's gone, um, which which there is. Um, when we were in New Zealand, we spent a bit of time, we obviously spent a little bit of time with the Australians as well. Um, again, I think we just are aware of we're all in the same boat. We're, we're rugby players, we're at World Cup, we're in New Zealand. Um, yeah, we're probably all all very similar in some ways. You're going to have to give a media answer to this one, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. You're sitting in the Loughborough changing room after training. You know, you've got your little Scottish clique in one corner and you've got your, <laughs> you know, your rock stars that play for England that are signing autographs for everybody. And is there a bit of comparison to your international programs or or what's going on? Is there any sort of, oh, have you heard about this? You know, Ireland, I've now got blue shorts. Was that <laughs> something that was, are these things that are changing room chat? Yeah, you, you chat about it. I think there's things that, I think there's things we can learn from other nations. Um, England is a good example because look at where they are. Um, I am, I am proudly, proudly Scottish, but I will... I will not kind of, it's it's undeniable what... You can what say whatever you want. Your best mates, we call it rugby, the president, and you and Mr. Dodson have got a great relationship. So you are bulletproof. Go for it. Say what you want to no, say. No, I think it's undeniable what England have done in terms of their investment into the women's game and the strides they have taken. So, yeah, there's things they do we compare to and we think, why haven't we got that? Um I think every nation will do the same. You can compare, but it it only comes from a place of us wanting to do better on the pitch and ultimately us doing better on the pitch means there's going to be more fans that want to watch. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a circle, really. 16-year-old Emma, looking to the future, you know, speaking to parents, careers advisor, thinking about what the future was going to be. Where was where was Emma going to be in 10, 12, 15 years time? I was going to be an accountant. <laughs> I was never being a rugby player. I mean, I never... Was, was sport 
was it something that even though you were going to be an accountant from eight till five, were you going to play sport? When I got involved, first got involved with rugby, it wasn't out of, I want to start rugby because I want to play for Scotland. It was, I want to, I didn't even, I didn't know there was a women's rugby team. Like that is how disconnected it was. But I have always enjoyed sport. Uh, but I did gymnastics mainly growing up, which is a big difference from rugby. Um, I, as soon as I got involved in it, I knew I enjoyed it. I knew I wanted to do more. Um, it did all happen really quickly, but I didn't. I didn't see myself. I can't remember what age I made. Probably maybe around seventeen. I I thought maybe I could play for Scotland. But I wasn't thinking maybe I'll play for Scotland and maybe one day that'll be my job too. Just, just never. Just rolled with the punches. <laughs> just rolled with the punches. The <laughs> you are you and your group and the the group of players in all the nations that are playing the World Cup and playing the Six Nations are doing a great job of inspiring your role models. There's no horrible stories come out yet about anyone that I'm aware of. Um, you've all got stories to tell. You're engaging on social media, you know, and I've seen you going back to your club up north, uh, very personable and approachable and all those things. And it probably will change as the game grows and gets bigger. But I wonder how much is a, is the education or role modelling about being a female athlete mental health physical health not just about hoping that that 11 year old will become a scotland international in in 10 years time so taking it a bit away from rugby now maybe i'm making it something that people don't want it to be you know you hear that a lot footballers are role models no we're not we're footballers so maybe i'm building this thing up to be bigger but i think you've got the platform and the individuals to do more than just make rugby better yeah, uh, I think with the when we're talking about rugby, the difference probably a big difference between the women and men game is the women have a very different story b before their rugby career started. Um, not saying men don't have that, but obviously, fewer of them do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I sometimes think that makes us m more why people would want want to kind of well why they've maybe bought into the game but as yeah as a female athlete um uh, I can all, I can obviously only speak for rugby and kind of what it's done done for me kind of as a person um as it will shaped shape my life ultimately um but yeah the there's the friends the people that I've met through it are I you would not find anywhere else and that again then people now in my life are so important and that is strongly off the pitch probably more so off the pitch more important to me than than they are on the pitch and from a physical point of view um I just think yeah how you are as a person and the mental benefits of of being able to train to that intensity um not even but i suppose the physicality and stuff of rugby and the team nature of it all um yeah oh, there's there's probably too much i could even 
say on the matter and again I can only I can only speak from a rugby perspective and how it's changed me as a person and what I've gained from it um but hopefully that's something that people can look at and see well yeah be be inspired by it and 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 want to to get involved you'll have mates from back home that have got no interest in rugby at all (laughs) And they'll be really proud of you and, and they'll watch you, but they probably pay no attention to it at, at all. Is there anybody that has sort of taken you aside at some point and went, that's actually pretty amazing what you've done, or you'll never guess what my granddad said to me about you. Has there ever been one of those little moments where you've just gone, wow? Yeah, um, more so in recent years. I think qualifying for the World Cup was was big and, yeah, I've got a, a really good uh, group of friends at home, which um, we were uh, a really close friend group in, in school. They are not not sporty, but they don't play rugby. Um, some of them not as sporty, some of them, yeah, into fitness. Um, so they don't have a full idea of, of kind of what goes on, but anytime I come home or anytime I've said there's something on social media they're they're hugely proud and it is it's very it's very very nice um going home to Ellen and it's quite it's quite a small town so yeah they they do love it they are they're very supportive even though sometimes I'm like you are clueless but (laughs) they are very supportive I've also been in instances I am being I was obviously an auditor in Aberdeen um, and I was out at um, a client site and, and one of the, the older kind of guys in the company took, brought me like a, a paper cutting of me and he was like, I've seen you in the paper and it was obviously for my rugby, which was really, really nice. The fact that, yeah, someone, someone that didn't even know me on a personal level, I'd obviously spoken to them a lot through just work and they were very proud as well which was really really nice um so yeah there has been little instances which i'm like that, that's pretty cool that is cool the the one i witnessed that i loved and lisa thompson's been on the scottish rugby podcast telling the story this week but when she was being inducted into the hall of fame at melrose as she's leaving uh, chris patterson's dad wanted a picture with lisa so it was classy in this, you know, 60, 70 year old guy wanting a picture with Lisa and the photographer was Mossy Patterson. <laughs> that is very, very good. It was just one of those golden little moments. It was so funny being there. Uh, and Lisa saying things like, I'm just a wee lassie for a hoy, come no, this, that. But that that humility that you all carry is is spectacular, led by Dr. Rachel Malcolm. I think it's funny when every now and then people refer to her as Dr. Okay. Rachel. Well, just just to put in there. When you're you know, you've you've been through a lot, you said you found it a struggle working full time, trying to train almost full time, and it was tough and it was stressful. That that stress will just have moved into somewhere else probably because now it's about performance and results and you know can I get fit am I fit enough am I playing well I'm at Loughborough I'm at Scotland there's a lot going on there how do you get support how do the squad and individuals get support to ensure that their mental health looked after yeah I think obviously I think the stresses that we now have are, are maybe are very different to 
previously what what we had whether that's money whether that's where you're staying whether that's performance injury um there there there's a whole host of different things that that this life I suppose can can bring which and again it's it's hard because you would say this is the dream we are living the dream we're professional sports people in in our hobby essentially um but there is a huge kind of yeah focus on on the mental side of that and first and foremost I think what we're really lucky to have is is as players and as friends we're very very close and personally I yeah I'm very lucky to have the likes of Rachel Malcolm who I live with um half a year uh, when I'm at Loughborough um you're Lisa Thompson and, and Rona Lloyd um all of them and I think we're all very honest and open about of where we're at um, and, and what we're doing to kind of make sure no one is is struggling as such but also from a Scottish rugby um, perspective like there is external support which has now become much more yeah readily available and encouraged um and again I'm, I'm coming I've obviously as, as I've said I have been in the game a long long time and how much that side of things has changed is huge and actually not even there's obviously there's the performance kind of psychology side of things but there, there is the the clinical side of it which can be completely off pitch stuff um but there there I think the mental side of yeah going into a game how how much that can actually impact what you do on the pitch and as a squad we have losing 12 games in a row I, I think you, you would be you'd be in denial not to realize actually what mental impacts that's having on you um and and your training and and everything else so it is spoken about and, and I think it's really important that it is um, but yeah we're very lucky with the support we have around us. So looking into your crystal ball uh, I know you've got some targets you, you know you've got individual targets to get back fit and to get playing and uh, but what what does it look like for you for women's rugby maybe for Scotland in the next three five ten years do you think? <laughs> I think I mean, I, I would like to see myself playing for another five years. Who knows? Um, the, the next World Cup is, is, is really big for us. And I think we obviously had that big block not being at a World Cup. So after going to New Zealand, I think a big focus for us is, is we don't go below that now. So being at that World Cup in England um, is, is important. I... I would love to make it to a hundred caps. I, I've got I've got a wee while to go, but yeah, I'm I'm a minute for the long run if my body allows. Um if it doesn't, then it, it maybe wasn't meant to be. Um but yeah, they, they would be the big ones. I want I just we want to see more more wins with Scotland because they're they're good. They are very <laughs> they're special. Um and yeah, I would just like to experience a few more of them, I think. How long before you're selling out the damn health? Like next year, surely. Next year. Next year against <laughs> England. 
I would like to think so. I know obviously that it's England, France will be at home next year, and I'm assuming we'll be at the Dam Health again. But I would I would like to think um next year because it's getting much better this year with the two stands at least almost full. We just need to get them in once. So the um the support network around you as a group because you've come from that time of unfortunately only really family watching in a stand to now you know 3600 i think it was at the weekend but that those family groups and those really close friends move as a pack don't they you know i was i was down at the commonwealth game sevens and there's you know jenny maxwell's there but so's tomo's folks and rona's folks and you know they're all milling around together and if people can't be there they sort of just take on a few of you and become your parents while you're there that's going to change as the game gets bigger i would think but that's that's a pretty nice environment to be in isn't it yeah that's and i think that comes from just so many of us now have been involved for such a long time and and stuck together through the 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 highs and the lows i suppose and, and the parents come with us and um, they've been rona lloyd's parents are are key to mention in this because they are they are standout individuals i just actually cannot even if, if anyone knows who they are they will just understand what we're talking about yeah. <laughs> um but yeah they in many away games obviously there's so many that parents can't make whether it's in france in italy or in new zealand um but you it will not be long before another one of the team's mum or dad will have their arm around you and, and kind of pulling you in. So we're we're very lucky in that aspect. I'm trying to get Tomo on stage at Melrose to give her a Hall of Fame cap and induct her into Hall of Fame. But I had to wait for mum and dad to come in from outside because they were way getting fresh air. <laughs> <Got you. laughs> come on, we need to move on. And Lisa's going, they're outside. I, like, I want to, but they're outside. So I went outside. So come on, you two, get a move on. Your daughter's about to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. It's so cool. Right, um, you know the squad really well. Give me a couple of players that, are going to light it up in the next two or three years. I've got two names in my head, but I'm, I'm guessing you're going to pull a different one. Oh, well, um, I think from what we, like we've seen a lot of Evie Gallagher and actually she's not been on the scene a huge amount yet. And I think there's still so much to come. Um, I think she's, she's properly a, bonkers. Yeah, no, she's but just, she obviously had a big injury and she missed out in the World Cup and again, that can send you one of two ways and by God, like she's worked so hard and I would say on and off the pitch in terms of her analysis, everything, she's real pushed on and it's just, well, it's very exciting for us. Um, Emma Orr is undeniably everybody's pick. a superstar. <laughs> she is, she's world-class and she, the most... She does not know it. That is the best part about it. She and, does and not know it. She's just a really, really great Proper farmer. Being. Yeah, she's a farmer and, and she's she's a home bird as well. Um, but she's got very good rugby skills. Um, and they will only get better with, with obviously the players around her and the experiences that she's going to have. Um one of the other what? bits I love about her is she'd only actually played about 10 minutes of rugby before she started lighting it up. It is on it, just a and, and you you know what you want to say, just a natural ability, and she does have, but she also works really hard. So um yeah, and 
yeah, I would also say we Eva Donaldson. She's gonna definitely yeah. come yeah. the same, probably at my bloody expense. But here we are. <laughs> and how? Just I, I need to put how good's Meryl Smith? So uh, again, yeah, another. It's like she's got fifty caps. Baller, like and uh, like her kicking ability as well is just insane and it's so easy for us to say like we'll like we'll call them the kids and they're they're not kids because they're better rugby players than we are when we say that well better than me anyway um no they are it's just really exciting there's a lot of young talent come through obviously one's names that i've not even named but um yeah it is it is very exciting right so some of the old birds your your pal in the second row Sarah Bonner, I mean, the two of you are just, I, I don't know, what a double act. <laughs> we, uh, on the pitch, I think of people, uh, yeah, we, um, on the pitch, Bonds has probably this switch, as in sees red, whereas I can kind of keep it quite, like I won't, if someone is giving you back chat or whatever, I'm normally quite good at staying, like, don't really, I just laugh, like, with a show bite, which is, <laughs> I almost need to just like pull her back. Um, but I think that the combination of both is 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 very good. We like to say I've got the power and she's got the endurance, but um, no, um, yeah, played a lot of games alongside um, Sarah Bonner and she is yet yeah, another one of my best friends. She is a truly incredible person off the pitch. Um, she's been she's been great and yeah she will light up a room when she comes into it um i think people will just think the second row is just a wee bit bonkers but it works she's <laughs> she's another one with an, an amazing story i mean there, there's so done. many of you have have well all of you have got a story to tell because the journey that you've had to go through to get here and there's some that were there for part of it and for whatever reason or now but you're all standing on the shoulders of those that went before you and the the young team are or what do you call them the kids are yeah, the kids. lucky you, to... you, <laughs> uh, you you know some of the the female coaches that are out there scottish female coaches that are doing good things do you think we're close to having a female coaching team for scotland I'm well, not getting rid of Bernie and his team no. and Chris and uh, Tyro. I'm not getting rid of them, but, but future. Yeah, I went. We quite a few of us went and seen the the futures playing the under twenty three Wales at the weekend. Yeah, that was gold. Well played, an I mean, absolute PR triumph. Love that. Actually, like really, really good rugby on show. Like I, we were me and Rowan are sitting next to each other, and I was like, I was not doing that at that age. They're actually playing shape. They're playing shape. I think that, and that's we were genuinely, genuinely, really impressed. And the players, we were like, kind of watch our backs. And obviously, that's been led up by Claire Cruikshank, who's done yeah a really good job. And you've we've already seen what has been going on at Edinburgh Uni and the yeah. players that they're bringing through for, for Scotland women. Um, so no, it is exciting. I do think Scottish rugby is going in the right direction in terms of their pathway into, into the women's squad and the people that are coming through. Yeah. No, there's and Lindsay Smith and Louise Dalgleish yeah. and there's, there's a nice group. I know she's Can doing you... great things in, well, Japan, but yeah. no, there, there, there's a lot. Is Emma Wasso going to be a coach? Uh, you know what? I get asked this a lot, and I think it's even though I'm 
older i uh i still i still can't see it because i still feel like i have so much to be coached i still yeah. feel very much like a player and i'm still kind of absorbing all the knowledge that i'm being given and there's obviously elements of the game like line out and stuff that i do i really enjoy taking up <laughs> a lead of i like taking a lead of it in a in a team perspective but I don't I don't know if coaching is is for me or not. Um you're gonna be all over the media. You're not gonna have time to coach. We all know it. I'll Stop be on bluffing. the TV. I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be watching you on the TV. They didn't let people that look like me on the TV. You your your career is especially if you keep pulling this, I'm injured so that I could be a pundit nonsense. Right, that is just not true, but it's nice to take the opportunity when it's there. <laughs> Emma, I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Um, last time we were celebrating Megan's retiral, um, and and it was good to see the the girls there to support. I asked this question at the end of the podcast, so I've not primed you for this. So, for you, Emma, happiness is. Finish the sentence for me, please. Oh, you didn't prime me. Are you meant to prime for that? No, no. Cause... Some people I do when I know they'll struggle, but you, you media personality, you'll smash it. Happiness is. It's got to be coffee with Tomo. Come on. I was going to say line outs. Is that terrible? <laughs> no, you could say that. Uh, uh, happiness is line out analysis with a flat white. <laughs> with a flat white and Sarah Bonner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Class. Emma, thank you so much. And all the best to the recovery. And hopefully you'll be back carving up very, very soon. Thank you so much. It has been a privilege to be on. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> <laughs> If you've enjoyed that, you can catch us on Apple, Acast, Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. I absolutely loved it. And hopefully she'll be back very, very soon. But she's a lady in high demand. And you can just tell from everything she said how much she's done to get to this point. But there's still a lot left to do. And she's going to do it with all her buddies over a flat white somewhere. So you never know. You might bump into her in a coffee shop. Uh, go, and, go and say hello because she's definitely got some line out stuff to bore you with. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happiness Is podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.